Just a couple of questions to start here. Have you ever started a project and left it unfinished for a long period of time? Do you have things you're holding on to for projects? I'm sure, unlike myself, everybody here finishes the jobs and projects so they begin in a timely manner. I'm sure nobody has any dissertations they need to write or anything, right? Me, I have a couple of unfinished projects sitting in my backyard. Constant reminders out my window that's of work that I have not finished. Building a table is one of them. I have received and scrapped, I like to scrap metal for those of you that don't know, uh, a nice table pedestal and some old decking which I repurposed to make a tabletop. And I made the tabletop, but the two have not come together on their own yet. That job is not done. It'll eventually be a, hopefully a nice place to sit and grill some meat or whatever else we can throw on the grill, but it, that's not, that day is not today. But perhaps my most irritating unfinished project is the pair of old bus station chairs I got in scrap. You know the kind that normally you gotta have to bolt down to the ground in order to be safe to sit on? You know, you have one sitting here, you get the one little pedestal and then it gets bolted to the ground. I learned it takes two to sit in it if it's not bolted down to be safe. Yes, I did do that. Somebody was there to laugh, thankfully. My intention for that was to build a platform and cooler box for them to make a nice outdoor place to sit with the convenience of a cooler. Nice, be nice to have a nice cold drink while I'm sitting outside. That project, unfortunately, is just an ugly lawn ornament. Constant reminder that I have yet to do anything with it at all. I do indeed have unfinished business. Heather and I recently celebrated our five-year anniversary. And to celebrate, we went to the beautiful island of Bermuda. And I know, really suffering for the Lord. I did not plan to do any sermon preparation while I was on this vacation celebrating our anniversary. But when God confronts you with a sermon illustration, you've really got to respond. So on one of the three days, we went to the uh, island of St. George. And on the tourist map there, we noticed an attraction called the unfinished church. We're like, what? We've got to see this site. So we went to see the unfinished church. I mean, as you can see from the picture, it truly is an unfinished church. There's no roof. There's no, there are no pews. There are no doors. The people of God aren't there. Just the walls of a Gothic-style church. As I looked at this, I asked, why was the work stopped? Why is there an incomplete church? It looks like the work the Lord had begun here, but it's clearly not finished. So there's another church down the, just down the, down the hill from the unfinished church. It's St. Peter's. It's the oldest Anglican church on the island. So what we do when we're on vacation, we visit churches. We visited this one as well, but I researched the unfinished church when I got home and found out that around the, around the 1860s, St. Peter's was so destroyed by hurricanes that they had started construction on a new church. 
But somewhere during the construction process, the builders decided to abandon this build and just rebuild St. Peter's. St. Peter's is still in operation today, just down the hill from the unfinished church. The work of the Lord goes on. In the Corinthians text, Paul encourages the church at Corinth to finish the work that they have started. We need to listen to these words today and finish the work God has set before us. As I poured over the passage in Corinthians and uh, read over it, two verses, every time I read it, stood out to me. It was verses 10 and 11. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. I sensed as I read this, God calling us, calling me, to finish the work he has given us to do. Today we see the church at Corinth in the, middle of, in the middle of a project. It's about a year old. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul lays out the groundwork for this project. He even states in that groundwork that on the first day of the week, which is today, you are to collect the offering, and we will be collecting the offering today. And we still, we still hold to that tradition. But this is the, but this is the work that Paul is encouraging them to complete. The saints in Jerusalem have fallen on hard times. They suffered severe persecution. They are now in the midst of suffering famine and hunger. Gentile churches have heard of the sufferings of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Moved by the compassion of Christ which began in Jerusalem, they endeavor to take up this offering to to help our brothers and sisters in suffering. People desired to give out of their abundance. I used to think of this passage as a passage to preach on tithes and offerings. But through, but through reflection and consulting commentaries, it's more like a love offering collected for a 30-hour famine or for wells in Haiti. I was going to compare the saints at Jerusalem to us paying our denominational obligations. As a church, part of our tithes and offerings goes to the work of the larger church of the Nazarene, which helps fund missionaries, teachers, and others in doing the work of the Lord. The collection for the saints at Jerusalem came as a response to their suffering. Certainly moved by the compassion of Christ, the Gentile saints desired to reach out and help their brothers and sisters who were suffering. The idea of completing the job God has given us to do goes beyond our tithes and offerings. God has set before each one of us things he wants us to accomplish, projects he wants us to do, calls to ministry that need to be answered, certain career fields God leads us to, all of which are important in the completion of God's kingdom. In general, the work God has set before each one of us is to be about the work of his kingdom, to continue the work of God restoring goodness to creation. As I wrestled with the lectionary passages 
I normally like to find a connection between at least a couple of them and tie them in. And the connection didn't come until later on this week. And I was, we didn't read the gospel reading, but I'm going to read it. Because the, what, what Christ dis- displays there is who we're supposed to be. When Jesus had crossed again on the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and, came, and when he saw, saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with them, and a large, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many under many positions and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithicum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them to ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Word of the Lord. In today's gospel reading we see Christ intervene in somebody's suffering. We see Christ bring life where there was death. That is work, that is the work of the church. That is what we need to be about. Today's gospel reading we see some of the work of the Lord that is set before us. Christ is approached by Jairus asking for healing for his daughter. Christ agrees to follow him to his house, and while on the way, a woman with an issue of blood touched the hem, just the hem of his garment. As I thought about that, I could, all I could think of was Teen Extreme and how, how every time they, they say the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They put their pinkies in the air. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the reason they put their pinkies in the air 
is because if the hand of God can deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, what can his little pinky do? Well, here we see just the hem of his garment touched the life of this woman. There is power in the work of the Lord. Christ told Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. They continued toward his house. When they got there, Christ told the mourners, Why are you wailing? She's only asleep. Those gathered laughed at those words. Christ had the mourners wait outside and went into the room with Jairus and his wife, where their daughter was laying. Christ took the little girl by the hand and said, Little girl, get up. And she sat up and began to walk around. These are great displays of easing suffering and bringing life to a place where there was death. Christ demonstrated two areas where we as Christians need to continue working. Now I'm not talking physically raising the dead, but to help someone who is at the edge of despair and their situation to them is indeed dead. Reach out your hand, grab that person's hand, and help bring them back from the edge of despair and bring life back into their situation and restore hope to the hopeless. Through the help of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we extend our hands, help others rise to new hope and new life. Our world is full of people who are at the edge of despair. Let's extend our hands and help them back up. As we, so as we talked, Christ also cured the woman with the issue of blood who suffered. What's important here is that Christ addressed her suffering. We are surrounded by people who go through many different kinds of suffering whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, mental. As Christ addressed the suffering of the woman with the issue of blood, so should we address the suffering that runs rampant in this world. Last week, Pastor Matt preached on taking responsibility for the injustice that happens in this world. Now, while we might not be directly responsible for the injustice, our inaction to, our inaction to address the injustice does make us responsible. In a similar way, are we responsible for the suffering of others when we do nothing? There are phrases I hear people say, and I know I'm guilty of saying them myself. They make me cringe in certain situations. One of them is, not my circus, not my monkeys. Now I realize we're all human. We have limitations. We can't get involved with every situation. Phrases such as this do make us, we use these to make us feel better about being about doing nothing. However, the suffering of, the, of society, the injustice that plagues so many, is our circus and is our monkeys. As followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to confront injustice and to bring peace to those who are suffering. This is all part of the work of God has given us to do. This is all part of the building of the kingdom of God. As Paul urged the church at Corinth, I urge us to continue the work God has given us to do. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them, 
and to not hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. Isaiah 58, 6-10 We live in a dark world. Darkness surrounds us like a flood. From church shootings, police brutality, to riots in the streets. There are people who do not know where their next meal is coming from, or even where they might lay their head tonight. We see the injustices in our society just by turning on our five o'clock news. We are confronted by the injustice and the darkness of this world on a daily basis. And as the people of God, it is our responsibility, our work, to kick at the darkness till it bleeds light. Our world is in dire need of the light of Christ to rise in the darkness. Brothers and sisters, we have unfinished work to do. That work is laid out in the passage from Isaiah. Too often, when we are confronted by these issues, we turn a blind eye, thinking, well, it's not my problem. And, but, and our response should be just opposite. We can at least pray, bring the matter before God, be open to how God might have us intervene in this issue. Instead of just saying, not my issue, not my worry. According to the passage from Isaiah, it is our problem, and it should be our work in the name of Jesus Christ. If we satisfy the needs of the afflicted, the light of Christ will rise in the darkness. As people, we seem to like to hold up checklists of stuff to do. Stuff we should do, stuff we shouldn't do. And I think in some ways we have lost track of the proper checklist. Because Isaiah holds up a different kind of checklist. A checklist that has work that still needs to be done by, the, by us, the people of God. Imagine for a minute what this world would look like, what our communities would look like if the people of God, God partnered with God to finish the work on this list. I believe we as the church not just Bethel Church of the Nazarene, collectively, have the ability to address some of these issues listed in Isaiah. That sounds like the what that sounds like work that builds the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God that he who began a good work in you will complete it. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to begin a good work in all creation. Through the continued obedience of his people, God will complete the good work in all creation. When Paul knew he was at the end of his life and work in the Lord, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It is my deepest desire for all of us when we get to that point in life, when we survey the work that God has given us to do, that Paul's words to Timothy will be ours. On the day we stand before our Lord, the only words we should hear are, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. And should the day come that the heavens are rolled back like a scroll, and the Lord Almighty descends to take, to take his place in his kingdom, as King of kings and Lord of lords, if it ha so happens while we're still here, the last thing we should want him to find is an unfinished church. <clears throat> we all be encouraged to finish the work God has given us to do. And whatever role that may be, may we be open to hear the call of God on our lives. What work is God calling you to, you to do to build his kingdom? Let's not let the work of the Lord become like my ugly lawn ornament or the unfinished church. As we go forward, let's build God's kingdom together. Let us finish the work God has given us to do. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father,